Welcome to Barra Talks, um, a series of, um, we hope, inspiring discussions on food and our food culture. I am Angela Clutton, a food writer, a historian and a cook, and I'm going to be the host of the series of Barra Talks. I think it's time to welcome Melissa Hemsley. Take yourself off mute. Hello, everybody. Oh, hi, Melissa. It's so lovely to see you. Really lovely to see you, Angela. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us on your lunch break. Anything away? <laughs> it's so cool. So, um, I'm sure that everybody who has uh, you know, registered to watch this, listen to this, knows. But Melissa, of course, a hugely popular cook, um, best-selling author of four books. Um, the ones we talk about most today are going to be Eat Happy and Eat Green. Um, Melissa, I also do lots and lots of charity work, and I think that as we go through some of that will kind of come up because a lot of the um, other work you do or all your work is very much grounded in food sustainability and that's what we're here to talk about today issues around the way we get our food food systems and really also thinking about the current position how that maybe affects how we feel about food sustainability so i think to kick us off melissa food sustainability is one of these phrases that gets banded around could you maybe just sort of give us a bit of an insight into what food sustainability means and then maybe even more importantly what it means for you uh love to kicking off with a a big old question <laughs> keeping it light that. keeping it light ease you in well it's it's a really good question and as far as i i i feel like i answer it differently each time and i think that if anyone's wondering you know listening in now like what does it mean to you for me it means i think sustainability as a big overarching word is something that i don't think how sustainable will i be today i just think i to my to the best of my abilities i'm trying to uh choose the better than uh choice whenever i can so you know we make hundreds if not thousands of decisions every day some of them most of them the same ones every day so at, always in my sort of head and heart and then on a practical actionable level i think what would be the best outcome for this and i think it was plastic patrol who are an incredible organization that patrol the canals and rivers around the uk picking up plastic they said something like sustainability means um living like we mean to stay and i think that's such a lovely way of thinking about it and i know lots of us are on different stages of our sustainability journey i know you and i have talked about this we're all still learning there's no perfect sustainable uh, way to live and we must i think the only one rule is we've got to make it work for each of us because the main thing is is it's great decisions better than decisions made every day and repeated as opposed to going wow i'm going to be plastic free or grow everything today and then perhaps within six months it's, it's all over and we give up it's making choices that feel good to do good i think what well, I, well no 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 not around with the tour melissa and i think that everything you've just said is what is so great about your work because food sustainability so often the answer to that is really important macro stuff about food policy and looking at the the overall picture and absolutely all of that is incredibly important but i think for a lot of us cooks people who care about you know, whether food comes from at all it can seem quite daunting and so i think what you do which i think is brilliant is sort of take the big kind of policy stuff the big structural things that need to happen and really sort of distill it down into how each of us our choices can make a difference 
Yes, I, uh, those of us in the food world, I, I see us um, on social media and I think it's brilliant. Social media is brilliant in that way in the, because it takes us ages to write a book, doesn't it? Uh, and you know, your book can only get out to so many people on social media and doing talks like this means we can constantly inspire each other. Um, one great person that I'd like to shout out, Doug McMaster of Silo, he's written a book that's taken him a decade uh, and he's, he's written all his, his sort of do's and don'ts and things that went wrong and things he really thinks that other, other restaurateurs might, might like to get right or, or anyone at home because we sort of don't have time to keep I don't want to say messing it up. We need to urgently get on the right path. And if someone's tried something and it's worked, let's all share. So I think that's, the more we talk about sustainability, um, however it means to each of us, the more the next person's going to get inspired to take it on and take it through their, their way. Um, and, you know, you and I were, were, were signing, you know, a petition yesterday. And then I, even just today, seeing what's going on, the land army who've had 15,000 people sign up to help pick fruit and veg and stop it from rotting in the fields. All of this wouldn't be possible unless we were word of mouth suggesting to each of us. So whenever I find a great new supplier, the way I try and do it is I'll put a free recipe up on Instagram every day or social media, but in turn, I'll sort of make people have to read through every reason why I've put that up there and why that supply is important to me and why I'm suggesting that broccoli stalk. And I think that's the way to do it uh, because we don't want to be preachy or naggy and hopefully in this talk, we, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. That's, that's going to be our aim anyway. And I think you've touched on something really important that really interesting about you know, the, uh, what's happening at the moment about trying to get more people you know, out there in the fields, you know, picking stuff. And there's obviously quite a lot of issues that have had a greater perspective thrown on them by the corona situation at the moment. Um, and you know, waste is one which is very much at the forefront anyway, isn't it, about your work. Should we kick off with waste a little bit in detail? Oh yeah, waste, waste is great. <laughs> Again, uh, one man's trash, another man's treasure. You know, what is waste? And um, I, I have been thinking a lot about, uh, I don't know if anyone else agrees, but have you in the last sort of two, three months sort of gone through this sort of, um, you know, when uh, this sort of um, uh, a movie slide of your life? I don't know, I've been thinking about all sorts of bizarre things and dreaming of crazy people, not crazy people, sorry, crazy dreams about people and moments of influence in my life have been coming through daydreams and nightmares, what's going on? And I always come back to, I can just see my mother, you know, really wagging her finger at me at the dinner table saying every grain of rice. My mother grew up with, with nothing, with a big family in the Philippines in Manila and they stretched every bit of food. Then my father who comes from an army forces family, he grew up on a farm and army bases you know when i think about waste and sustainability no we didn't we never use the word sustainability but i was always taught that from my mother's catholic side waste is the biggest sin uh, of no actually all the sins are the biggest sins but waste <laughs> is sin. and my father was very much like resourcefulness and be ready for when something bad happens so waste was just something you you weren't allowed to do and uh, if I flip it to a positive, because we don't want to always talk in negative terms, is it was always what what delicious food shall we make rolled over from yesterday, or that um, that jar, what should we put in it? Um, you know, it, it often became you know instead of box and wrapping paper, the way that we transported someone's present, as an example. So I feel lucky that that was instilled in me. But if I'm honest. Um, it was it was sort of quite heavy-handed from the from their hearts, but very much like don't don't don't. And I think 
we'll never uh, take more people on the journey or get people interested if we always tell people off about what they're not doing. Um, and so through food, one of the things I try and talk about is quite often waste can be a great way of stretching a fantastic ingredient further, but also free flavor. And just thinking someone was talking about bolognese, we're having a little chat on Instagram about bolognese today. And I, I said, you know, the day that someone told me to put, you know, my Parmesan rind in my bolognese was like a, a, a significant flavor moment of my life. So thinking about all the ways that leftovers or the waste ingredient like what what is the second best bit of a broccoli you know is the floret the best bit and the stalks the second best it'd be so good to do a vote but actually i love the broccoli stalk you know and when you've got a really nice fresh broccoli broccoli stalk slaw with some ginger and poppy seeds is so delicious but for some reason the stalk to some people is considered second best same with a cauliflower leaf or a carrot top or um you know, I've, the, 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 when I, I thankfully don't see it now, but if I ever see an egg white omelette, I think, oh my gosh, that glorious yolk, where has it gone? I'll you only hope the yolks went into mayonnaise or something and they have, but I hope so. <laughs> in a good life on their own. But it's worrying, isn't it, or, you know, about how at the moment, especially at the beginning of um, the coronavirus situation when people were overbuying maybe or really struggling to kind of get things. And obviously, to a certain degree, it is still really hard to get some things. And so, therefore, there's sort of two sides to it, I think. There is the, the overbuying and the danger of that. So, maybe we'll come to that in a second and carry on with what you've been talking about for the moment of that if you're struggling to get things then and maybe only able to buy things that you wouldn't normally it's then really getting everything out of them isn't it exactly what you say about the, the cauliflower leaves yes it's um extending um extending or embracing like like tom hunt says from root to fruit embracing the whole the whole everything of that ingredient um and we all know about stocks and broths and 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 that on a very simple basic level like here's your top three melissa top three top, thing, three top three things people can really think about in terms of making sure they use everything we've done cauliflower should we do cauliflower as one cauliflower cauliflower <laughs> here i go cauliflower <laughs> is roasted absolutely divine the stalks grated into fritters beautiful so let's put broccoli in that um area too carrots and radishes now obviously when they're fantastic great raw uh, mashed up roasted the radish leaves so peppery and lovely i use them like rocket in a salad make sure you scrub them super well because they really gather dirt uh, carrot tops used as pestos or stir fried um, broths and stocks i know lots of people will say who's got time to have a broth or stock on well i do these days but at the same <laughs> the same time um if you've got space in the freezer or if you can move the vodka and the ice cream aside, <laughs> um, uh, which is what's, what I had to do when I first started living yeah. with my boyfriend. Um, but, uh, you know, I've got something in my book and maybe I can share it with you after if anyone wants to see it. It's called Bottom Soup. And I sent it to my publisher. And I said, I'm sure you'll make me change the title. <laughs> and they said no. And uh, it, it came because, you know, asparagus spears, we're still in asparagus season. Yes, at the moment. And when I was growing up watching Ready, Steady, Cook and all these TV programs, you know the broccoli of the sorry the asparagus stem would get sort of a third of it snapped off and discarded and then I found an old recipe because I my dad was in the army so I've been doing lots of work with the British Legion and Remembrance Day and rationing and I've been simmering up those uh, asparagus bottoms for about 20 minutes till they're tender and then adding in some frozen peas maybe a bit of mint or basil maybe a splash of milk and making this beautiful bright green soup um, so I love that and if I always keep a baggie in the freezer if you can't be 
bothered to, to, to um, make soup or stock straight away, putting it in there. Same with butters, any leftover, what I call a sort of, um, well, I, I wouldn't call it a fancy ingredient, but you know, an anchovy or something that you really maybe seek out a bit more or you buy less regularly. I, I once it's open, I'll grate it or chop it and mix it with butter or oil and then fridge it or freeze it so that that can be added onto, you know, cabbage to bring it alive or to some eggs or to make leftovers a bit more interesting. Wow. So go on. Wait, we're way over three, love, but it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and to what degree, Melissa, have you seen uh, in, in the way people interact with you on social media and interviews and things, uh, a growing concern about the food waste over the last couple of months? Are people more into it than they were, I suppose, is what I'm asking. Very much. I, I believe that lots of people, that people have always been into it because I'm sure every person who's clicked on and watching right now is, you love food, that's why you're following Borough Market, that's why you're following Angela, that's why maybe you're following me. Um, you love food and when you love food you tend to not you know I don't if given the choice I don't think anyone any of us would would actively waste anything if given the choice we wouldn't actively cause harm however time and convenience uh, uh, get in the way and I think often guilt gets in the way sometimes we think and this is what I hear quite a lot about uh, when people chat about sustainability is if I can't do it perfectly I might as well not bother sometimes gets a headset maybe even I felt it at times it feels overwhelming so I think people have always wanted to talk about it but it's never been uh brought up as much as david i think plastic with david attenborough blue planet two years ago uh last year david attenborough had this fantastic quote to paraphrase something like however you live your life just don't waste so i think waste has become a word that instead of people thinking oh um uh i'll, I'll Maybe I'll do not waste on a Saturday. I think people are thinking more and more now. And as you quite rightly said, when we started, and it was scary to run out of eggs, bread, potatoes, mm -hmm. our, what we would call our fundamental, uh, you know, the bread basket, the fundamental shopping basket liners, as it were. Um, yes, I think people definitely, definitely started to go, hang on a minute, make, what can I do now? And actually to not waste saves you money, it feels really satisfying. Um, I genuinely think that I enjoy a meal better when I feel like I have um, uh, got my money's worth. And it's not about being tight or frugal. I think this is the other thing. My mum used to say to me, don't say I'm frugal. I was like, why not? She was like, it sounds mean. And I said, um, well, okay, how about the word resourceful or thrifty? So almost my favorite thing about beautiful eating green is in the back, you have a, a, a literal list of your mum's thrifty tips. Yes. Brilliant. There's some funny ones in there, isn't there? There's some ones that we thought were a bit too out there that we didn't include. But I think that they're a real um, sort of... Uh, code almost for how people kind of should be looking at things and it's lovely that you put them in there and obviously it says a lot about how you have uh grown into being the person you are and so interested in sustainability we call it now but you know thrifty just you know not not wasting stuff just how people cooked you know how um it's, it's just how people cooked it's just what people did it was it it, it was you know i didn't grow up with my grandparents around uh, because they, they, they passed, but I know quite a few books that are coming up now, and I know with your book as well, lots and lots of old ways are coming back in with the modern twists. You know, look at the rise in fermenting, preserving, uh, you know, people making sourdough, you know, it is, it is, there is joy to be had in creating and saving. Completely, but I think a lot of what you're talking about is also about food skills, and how do you feel that the issue or not of food skills fits into sustainability? 
hugely because if you don't feel confident doing something, you might not try. If you've only got, you know, 10 minutes in your day to try and do something in and amongst everything else you're trying to do, if you don't feel confident or think it might go wrong or worse, think you might end up wasting more than if you hadn't bothered, uh, then people, people won't. Um, so as a self-taught cook, I mean, one thing my mum did do was spoil me in that she was always just in the kitchen herself and I had other jobs around the house. I don't want you to think I didn't have jobs. I had a lot of jobs around the house, but not in the kitchen. So I learned to cook when I left home and I called my mum and asked her, and I think a lot of people did. But one thing I do like to do, and I work with the Prince's Trust and I do lots with the Felix Project, the anti-food waste charity, is um, people also may have had the skills and then fallen out of confidence, lost the confidence for them. So uh, I have loved watching all of our food industry friends, borough market people, all of these demos I think are really, really brilliant. And I think not just kids, the old generation, our generation, there's so many things I don't know how to do. And I'm, I'm enjoying learning how. I think on a basic level, the three things that I try and that's two. The three things that I try and teach when I have my first cooking class with someone for quick wins is I always say, if you open up the fridge, if you open up the freezer, the cupboard, whatever, and you think there's no dinner, like my mum, I think my mum taught me how to see dinner when there wasn't one. Three things to think about is a frittata. Now, easier said than done, because a lot of us don't have access to eggs. Maybe we don't eat eggs. So I will say frittata slash fritter. Every Friday I make a frittata or a fritter with whatever's inside. And with the fritter, I just um, grate whatever's there and I mix it with chickpea flour or any kind of flour to bind it. I also think stir fry, because that's an easy win. And then I go uh, soup or stew. And that's the three first things I teach people. I think if you, if you know how to use those things and how to kind of start to build dishes together, I think maybe, as if you agree, do you think that um, will then limit people overbuying potentially if, if people don't if people don't have the confidence to kind of know what different dishes they can put together with things i feel there's a danger of people just buying too much and then that goes off and we're back in the whole waste problem well I'll, what i'll say is if we all have hold our hands up and say right if i'm being really honest with myself and looking at my kitchen right now i've overbought because I, if, if you want to have that conversation with yourself the number one thing i would do is for ease you could either um make something that you feel really happy making that you enjoy making put a podcast on whatever get get it on and then um go and knock on your neighbor's door at a safe distance or text them and drop it around and let them put it in their freezer or put it in your freezer and a second thing you can do and i'll tell you this olio o-l-i-o the app has seen uh their their numbers wildly increased and they were already really popular in their food sharing app and you know they got to the point where they wish people were sharing toilet roll as well because people realized they'd overbought and wanted to share and you can cook for carers on it and cook for kids and all you need to do is put is one i hate apps normally but this is an easy app you make something you share it with your neighbor or if you've got extra of an ingredient be it flour be it something more diff you know not every day get it on there so you know, there's no, there's no not going back. There's always something positive you can do if you feel you've overbought or you feel like you're wasting. We can, we can get things back. <laughs> yeah, and that is really important because obviously the, the danger is people just throw things away and then that's a nightmare all around because it's just you know, perpetuating the problem, isn't it, in so many, in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. um, should we talk a little bit about um, producers, Melissa, and the, the role that you feel is taking sustainability by how food is made and where we get our food. Yes, I think we should definitely spend, maybe I'll try and not be so rambly, I think that we should definitely spend a lot of time talking about producers because I don't think that they get given enough uh, space to speak or get talked about enough. And I know one of the reasons they don't 
uh, we don't hear from them that much on social media because they're too busy producing and growing uh, to have Instagram accounts and so on. One of my favorite father and son farmers, the Fairs family, you know, they, they, I, I'll often, I sometimes say to them, Shall I, do you want me to run your Instagram account for you? Because there's so much good stuff, but they're just busy creating. Yeah. They're in Essex growing quinoa and chia in, in, in Essex and distributing it via Hodmodods. So as an, okay, maybe we could talk about Hodmodods as an example. Hodmodods, please give them a follow. They're the British Pulse Pioneers. They're growing buckwheat and chickpeas, but they also introduced me to Carlin peas. And I say introduced because I'd never even heard of this old bean, this old pea that's now making a comeback and can be used just like chickpeas. Um, I love them, Melissa. So for, for me, they're a real kind of Lanc Lancastrian classic black peas. Their taste of your childhood. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, this is it. So what I think Hodmodods, as an example, uh, do really well is they're creating something that for me feels new, um, new, for you feels a nod to your childhood. But what they do so practically is they team up with people and then they create recipes that enable you to use them. And I think that that is what's the, the best thing is when we can either um, share what to do with what feels like an unusual ingredient. Do you remember, I mean, I'd never even hum eaten hummus till about 10 years ago. Uh, no, maybe 20, I've forgotten how old I am, I'm 34. <laughs> More than 10 years ago, but we, it all felt quite new and interesting then. Uh, one thing I've learned to do through um, trying new things, and I think because I had the Filipino background and the English, I was introduced to things, is um, really expand my variety. I know lots of people who would message me um, at the beginning of lockdown saying, you know, I'm, I'm genuinely upset because what I feel is my base comfort of food I cannot get hold of. So I tried to say, do you know what, how about seeing it as actually a chance to, to fall in love with another ingredient or another way of cooking. So um, the, the, I definitely think if you've got like your 10 producers, you know, maybe use this as a chance to add another 10 to them every single month. Um, and what I'm loving at the moment is producers teaming up together, just like Hodmodods do by teaming up with smaller farmers to act as a distributor. Um, there's so many great uh, databases and websites you can follow. There's Farms to Feed Us, where they've collected, you can search by area that you live in, because I'm very conscious that a lot of the time I talk in quite a London-centric way because I'm in East London. Um, but yeah, the one thing I think we can do is, is go and like their, their social media pages, if they do have them, um, you know, hashtag them if not, share their details every time you post something for your friends, maybe share a link to them, support them, let them know that you're supporting them, because um, I think it must feel... I think it must be incredibly difficult for them right now. Um, and I think words of encouragement and actually, you know, obviously voting with our spending power. Yeah. And we've seen it really, haven't we, with the cheese, you know, the impact that Neil's Yard Dairy have had by really galvanizing concern and turning that into resurrection, really, for all these wonderful cheese producers who were on the floor when all this first kicked off and then exactly as you say ex by coming together and working together we're in a position now where these cheesemakers are like they're going back to work it's incredible it's really really good to see that yeah the british cheese weekend of this weekend and i don't think we can underestimate how much of an impact we have by by sharing on, on, on instagram it doesn't matter how many followers we have um we we are making we are we are we are we are we are, we are voting with our spending power just by sharing as well and by asking and encouraging and, you know, 
sharing a kind word. I mean, literally, I know it sounds sometimes so cheesy, but I often, if I've made something, I'll, I'll message the producer and just say, just want to say, just in case you see this, that was absolutely glorious. Thank you so much. And, and I think it, it matters. I know it would matter if it was me the other way around. I think it matters hugely. You know, I think about the producers at Borough Market, you know, the ones who are still at the moment for locals, you know, you can get there and do it. And I, you know, I wish so, with so much, I live near the market and I could actually just, you know, wander down and get some stuff because here it is still open, you know, for people to go and get some shopping and then, you know, head home fairly quickly afterwards. And, and the producers there who are doing an incredible job to keep on going. I think that it must be wonderful then to have the interaction with the shoppers who really are appreciating that they can go and get wonderful fish, wonderful meat, wonderful fruit and veg and connect in that way. Because it's that connection, isn't it? You know, that with the, the story of how the food is made, where it comes from, its heritage, its respect for the way it's produced. We'll talk about that a little bit, that you know, some of these producers, it's not just that it's wonderful, delicious stuff, which it always it is pretty much. It's also about the way it's made and what that means for sustainability. Yeah, um, I I believe that the far, some some of the the best characters and you know most enjoyable conversations I've ever had have been with farmers and producers and growers. Or sometimes you'll you'll not meet the farmer, you'll meet their grandchild at the market who's doing the selling for them because they're having a day off because it's their one day off and they're not going to be on the stall. And it's often you know uh, um, farmers are talked about aren't they as the caretakers of the land and you know they they know the land so well and they are constantly thinking about it and you know I still feel like a bit of an idiot sometimes when I'm walking around East London on my designated walk oh no we're allowed more walks now but I'm like, <laughs> the birds the trees it's like uh you know i know but these are people that are really much more at one with nature and i want them to keep going i want i want to 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 i i, I admire them hugely and uh what was i just gonna say sorry i've just gone off on one and i was gonna say no something. no no. it's great to hear you talk in such a passionate way about the producers and how they feel about it and how their passion relates itself to your experience yeah. I was going to say one other thing, like um, the incredible people that have suggested this idea of, and you know, there's a, a, web, a Instagram called The Dish Patch, where they're teaming up lots of restaurants who are doing deliveries and so on is, they're suggesting, you know, if you've got someone's birthday coming up or even someone's 30th, or how about, you know, sorry, oh, I've had so many of my friends had weddings postponed. Could you buy a wedding gift or a birthday gift as a gift voucher to a restaurant? And then same with a, um, a hamper from your favorite producers. Could you do that and, and send that as a present instead? There's, I, I love this sharing of ideas that everybody is putting together to help keep businesses going. Um, and uh, that is a great one. And also restaurants who are looking after their producers by selling boxes and putting them together. Uh, there's a great farm uh, called Coombe, Coombe Farm and they're now delivering their, their meat and they're delivering veg from River Cottage, for example, because, uh, you know, the River Cottage restaurant isn't open anymore. So people really teaming up to work together. Yeah, the, the, the way that the producers are able to kind of get things out, you know, Good 60 are doing it for quite a lot of the borough guys. And I yeah. think you know, that has been amazing of just enab enabling the produce to get out and so helping those producers kind of, you know, keep on going and make their connections, but also enabling people to get hold of it because it can just be really hard to get hold of stuff. And if you don't, if you have those choices and you don't necessarily want to kind of be queuing up to go in the supermarket, these, you know, all this delivery stuff is really, really important, but also really important for meaning there is an industry to come back to at the end. This is it. Moving forward, what happens? And I love what you said about the logistics because 
um, you know, no farmer wants to see their livelihood and, and their efforts rot on the fields. And that's why the Land Army is amazing. That's why Tristram Stewart's feedback um, uh, global on Instagram worked. When, uh, when Extinction Rebellion uh, protests have been going on, when all of these have been going on, uh, Tristram, Feedback Global, Extinction Rebellion, October Sustenance have all been, and, and you can follow all their Facebooks and everything, they have been feeding thousands. I've cooked with them several times in an in a underground private kitchen because you, um, you can't say where they are, but you can all come and help. You can just message me. All of the ingredients were wasted ingredients that have been rescued. And um, this is the thing. There is, even though lots of people aren't able to get hold of food, there's still, ingredients are still being wasted because they're not getting there in time. The, the connecting the dots aren't happening. And I think this is why, uh, whereas some of us, I believe that everybody on this um, group chat today, uh, we probably all have our favored market or whether it's our, you know, bar market for, for years was my um, work closest, um, I used to work on Bermondsey Street when I was 18. So for years, it was my local work-wise. Then I moved to Stockwell and Brixton. So then it was my home place. And now I'm not near it, but I still, it's still in my heart and I still go there. And I think having now moving forward, perhaps we extend our repertoire of markets we love, producers we love, so that we're not relying too much on any one shop and that we also spread. I don't know if anyone else has that. I'm like, oh, I've got, who should I spend my money with this week? You know. I think you've really hit it there, Melissa, that there's a, the danger of an over-reliance on you know, putting the money too much, you know, with the big retailers and uh, not you know, spreading out exactly as you just said, which is so important. And I do, I really hope that uh, so much of this delivery stuff still happens. I really, because I love it. The doorbell goes so many times a day with different people turning up with whether it's what we had wine came this morning. And then local bakers came this morning with some wonderful croissants and gorgeous bread and all stuff. It's so exciting when the doorbell goes and all these things come. And I, I'd probably be a bit gutted if I can't still manage to do a little bit of that when this is all over. You know, I think I could have got my, my, my stats wrong here, but I, I believe, you know, 60 years ago, 50 years ago, we were spending about a third of our income on food, let's say. And I'm not sure exactly what it is now. It will be, it, it will be interesting to see where where we if this is our spending for food and drink let's say you know maybe maybe i don't know because I, I, I work from home and i work in food so it's different for me but maybe 60 percent of your spend a week was on the local high street for sandwiches coffees um you know an afternoon delight little chocolate brownie it will be interesting to see what happens next like how that money is spread yeah. to raw ingredients or um or, or, or where it goes I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful uh, and I also know that a lot of people are now committing, you know, as we start to think, what, what kind of world do I want to live in? Um, I want to have time, lots of people have said to me, to volunteer, like lots of people do all the time, but I think we just don't talk about it enough. Maybe it's, maybe we don't like to be seen as braggy. Maybe it, maybe I'm coming across a bit braggy that I say I do lots of charity stuff, but the reason I do, whenever I think about charity work is, it feeds me, it's sort of selfish. Like, uh, yes, I, I could be, yes, I am obviously helping on a practical level, but it makes me feel better. Mental health wise, it really lifts me when I feel like I'm being useful. And I know lots of people have said, I volunteer for crisis at, Christmas but you know what I'm going to do it every single month is putting it a date in my diary to do something for someone else because it makes me feel good and I think we have really really thought 
long lots over the last three months putting mental health first and putting food um, and nourishment first and those two things are so hand in hand our brain and gut connection yeah well we're doing one of these with um, Kimberly Wilson oh, she's amazing on the 3rd of June talking about all of that about food and mental health and I think yeah, everything that she says about well, a lot of people say and I know you do too the nutrition isn't just about your physical health but nutrition is also about your mental health yes and that is a message I think doesn't really get through enough so I'm really looking forward to talking to Kimberly 3rd of June yeah 3rd of June 3rd of June but I think you know, what you touched on there is really interesting that you're doing all these you know, things for causes. It can feel good. But I think what you have shown and others have shown is that these things do make a difference. And you mentioned earlier about the plastics um, and you know, Attenborough's work, how that really did spark something. And normal shoppers, normal people deciding, do you know what, enough actually did make a difference at the major retailer level. And very, very quickly, and certainly I know, you know the market, went plastic free really, really fast. And lots of people did. So these choices are about empowering yourself, but they also can make a difference in terms of the food system, can't they? Oh, it, wasn't it wonderful, like waking up to press releases from major supermarkets saying, we're trialing it in, in uh, this uh, uh, town now, and we're gonna roll it out here. And yes, come on supermarkets, brilliant. The, the consumer pressure that was put on them, they reacted. And then on a smaller level, you know, it might be that you're supporting a small business and um, money-wise, it, you know, it makes sense for them to, to deliver in single-use plastic or so on. And they, they, so don't, they so want to not do that. But what I really appreciate at whatever level it comes back to that sustainability journey again doesn't it whatever level um someone's at you know i think it's so important to say i'm here now i want to be here so i if i had the choice between choosing between two cheese or two i don't know olive oils or two whatever i will automatically be drawn towards the one that is trying to do something better for the planet and by saying we're not quite there yet or this is our goal these are our sustainability goals for 2020 i'm all for that i i think that we should never feel penalized for not having it done completely right. I'm, I'm not a perfectly sustainable citizen, but I want to be better. Um, and it comes back same over and over again, making the most of what we've got. So uh, I support everyone. And, and it's interesting. I know some people have said that um, as an example, Riverford, you know, Guy Watson, the founder of Riverford Organics, he wrote the forward for my book and he was, you know, they're delivering uh, single use plastic free, but he said, we try to deliver our customers I think they've got about 50,000 boxes going out a week. We tried to deliver salad without plastic. Mm. Um, and everyone said, we ended up wasting the salad because it got so bashed around. By the time we got it, it didn't work. So then they go back to the drawing board and then they try again. And it's about, I think customer feedback has got to be so important. Yeah, our input. And that's why it's so great when you can shop for these places in the markets and have that interaction and actually go, do you know what? I'm not so sure about that. Just want to go back on something else you said then, Melissa, because I think it takes us into uh, another aspect of the conversation. We will go to questions quite soon. But you um, mentioned again about making the most of what we've got. And that made me think about seasonality. And that's very much part of that as well, isn't it? Making sure of the, the food that we produce, making the most of that when it's in season. Yes. Delicious. For me, on a greedy level, I'm like, it is more delicious when it's in season. Um, I've, I've, I've really thought about this because when you go into a stall, a shop, um, an online shop, 
it's, you, you know, your eyes are drawn to color, aren't they? The reds, you know, in the depths of winter, seeing greens and tomatoes, you know, and the, of course there are winter tomatoes that are bred that way and so on. But I have really, I would say over the last two years, uh, ign reignited my relationship with the root vegetable category. <laughs> I have fallen back in love with parsnips and swedes and celeriacs. Maybe we should do a poll on like, what's your favorite root that I feel that are just so, um, you know, and cabbage. I, 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 my boyfriend and I, when thinking about what to, because we're the people that meal plan now. I, if I, if I, when I met him six years ago, if I told him that if you stick with me, you're going to be a meal planner, he would have, he would have run out of the pub. But you know, we meal plan now because we, we're greedy. We get excited about food. We like to know, and it helps us not waste. And it feels like a rhythm for the week. But I've fallen back in love with those veg um, simply by challenging myself. Don't have to, it's not that hard, but uh, you know, saying to myself, I'm going to investigate the best way to eat a cabbage you know I'm when it gets a bit sad I quarter it and I roast it or I grill it and it gets sweeter and lovely and so uh, then when it comes at this time of year when the tomatoes and the radishes and the fennel and all the summer veg is coming in I do appreciate it so much more I personally don't want to eat asparagus in, at, at Christmas time um, because I, I I want to support the the, the, the nature of, of the seasons and when I was creating my season's guide in my book, it's my fourth book, right? And the reason I say it's my fourth is because each of the other three, I've tried to put a season's guide in. And at the last minute, as you know, Angela, there's never enough space in a book. The publishers cut, cut the pages. And then for the fourth book, they said, we're gonna get rid of your season's guide. And I went, no, because it took me ages for one. And two, I was really passionate because I know from my own practical level, if I print a season's guide, people will take a picture of it on their phone and maybe when they're out shopping, it will help them. And I said, if we don't put a season's guide in, it will be another way for people to not feel uh, comfy um, uh, going by the seasons because it's not right in front of them. So I would love to see all shops, markets, supermarkets, wherever people shop to, to show season's guides because I think it makes it exciting. And then- it really does. And I think there's a danger of assuming that people know about what's in season. You know, so market life, you know, the uh, borough markets, um, beautiful magazine newspaper always has a thing at the front you know, about what's in season. And I think that I had probably been very guilty of thinking everyone knows what's going in season. And then I was doing a talk with some people and they're going, oh my God, we really, really value that. And, and you know, I think it's great. And I I love your guide, you know, in Green about that seasonality because I think it's I think it's a genuine practical help for people, and it all cuts down food miles. It all helps you know, the environment, and it helps us just be less reliant you know, on other ways of getting our food if we're producing and enjoying it when it's in season of our own. I think eating a variety is so important, and I think that is not just for fruit and veg. I think coming back to carlin peas and chickpeas. Uh, you know, it can become shopping is habitual because we're busy and we have our comforts. So it is very easy to put the same things in the basket. So if we have these guides, we increase, we get more variety, more diversity, we get less bored. And I think it's important when we talk about the seasons is that what we're saying is, is, you know, you've got your early summer, late summer, early winter, late winter. And I showed my seasons guide after researching it for ages to about five different farmers. They all disagreed with each other. And they said, we all disagree because it depends what's going on that year, climate, uh, but it's a, it's a rough guide. It's a rough guide for sure. And I think if you're somebody that goes, 
I don't have time to think about food before I get there. Like I don't spend ages daydreaming about it. Like some of us might like, love daydreaming about what we might eat. It, it's helpful in that way. And for others who find it so overwhelming about, oh my gosh, I could cook anything. It also helps narrow it. So it's like yeah. a win-win for everybody, I think. Completely. Melissa, I think we should go some questions because otherwise we're going to, we're going to, because I could talk to you all day. So we need to go some questions or else this yeah, is work. Okay. So Melissa, can you suggest a recipe for wild garlic leaves? We have a lot growing where we usually walk. Thank you. Oh, and Catherine. Things. Yeah. Well, what I would do is if you've got a lot and you've got a bit of freezer space or you fancy it, you could just make tons of pesto i mean it's going to be so obvious sorry pesto but okay if you're over pesto i reckon if you're used to having wild garlic you've made a lot of wild garlic pesto i how about wild garlic salsa verde so you know similar pesto vibes and adding in capers or anchovies um, and some parsley and mint too to and lemon juice or vinegar um i love apple cider vinegar i put apple cider vinegar in anything to bring it alive and you could share some jars with your neighbors or you could freeze some i also love using wild garlic you know different garlic uh, wild garlics have different strengths so um i mean i love punchy flavors but i also use them as greens so you know a wild garlic frittata a gratin if you've got any root veg um layering up you know root veg maybe a bit of cheese or cream or milk if it's on the turn you know and then layers of wild garlic would be really really lovely um someone's asking okay we should maybe get your boyfriend on this do you have some meal planning tips oh yes okay so Going back to the whole, don't want to be preachy, don't want to be naggy. Um, I, uh, you know, we don't have kids yet, but I've got four God kids. And my friends are always uh, encouraging me that, you know, it seems so simple, but wait till you try and try it out on a kid. So one thing I would recommend is to um, maybe after a nice big breakfast with your family, or if you're a couple or a flatmate, you know, have a glass of wine and turn meal planning which sounds so boring doesn't it and like ripe for an argument not when you talk about it <laughs> you know it sounds like another thing to do um turn it into something fun like get the glass of wine out do it after a nice big breakfast when everyone's feeling happy and say to everyone like what is your what are your three favorite dishes and then include everybody's favorite dishes make sure everyone's favorite dish appears that week and whatever it is whether it's a bolognese a cottage pie a fish pie oh by the way fish pie from secret smokehouse i think is the best fish pie of my life just wanted to say i had that two nights ago <laughs> Um, and uh, make sure everybody's meal is included in the meal plan. And then, um, you know, leave one day of the week, like say Friday, you know, leave it up for freestyling. So that's where your fridge-raid frittata comes in or your clear your fridge, fridge curry could come in. Um, and if you do that, then you can, you know that everybody is a bit more invested in the week. You know that if you want to make extras of things that go in the freezer or you could give it to a neighbor or maybe use the Olio app. Um, and then I think always put a sweet in there. Like, you know, we're going to make um, a lemon drizzle cake or a Victoria sponge this week. We're thinking, you know, after V day, we feel like really old fashioned cake and just make sure that there's something lovely to look forward to that everyone's involved in. And then as I say, leave a freestyle day. And I just want to say, sorry to be cheesy, but my mum gave me a book for my 30th birthday. I think it's called Daily Abundance. And weirdly today I read it this morning and it said something like rephrase housework as house care like change it in your head and I was like oh okay sounds so cheesy but then I started thinking about it and I really thought if we think about meal plans and things think about them more as like moments in the week to like come together and same with housework like how much cleaning is there at the moment when everyone's at home and there's all these meals instead of thinking housework think house care instead of meal plan or shopping being something that every you know gets left to you maybe perhaps trying to bring everyone else in to let everyone else feel encouraged and invested in it 
Yeah, no, I think that's really right. Um, a couple more questions that um, I might put these two questions together because I am you know, aware we've been talking about um, from a position of being able to make quite a lot of food choice, we've been talking you know, about food, independent food producers and uh, and obviously you, know, you and I have access to knowing a lot of people here who do these things, but we've had um, a couple of really good questions. So um, we have somebody who, one of the questions just disappeared. What do you suggest if you can't afford or don't have access to local slash sustainable produce? If you don't have um, access to, uh, could, to, to the person asking, I would, would you be able to order online and receive in that way? Would that be an option? Um, because a couple of things I think have been really good are what we talked about before is people that have been maybe a weekly market like Borough Market or a weekly farmer's market now have with other help grouped together and they're now delivering. So there's people that can leave it on your doorstep. There's people that can come at a designated time. I know several uh, um, like the pale green dot people, they have um, people in different parts of the country have teamed up to create their own hub. And then like, you know, one neighbor says, I'll accept deliveries for all 10. And then you can come and pick up, which has been a great thing. And I know for my NHS and key worker friends, they've really relied on that. And I'll say as well, um, the app Olio, and I know I'm giving it a big plug, but you know, it's free and it's available to everyone. And they're helping so many carers and kids get access to food is another great one because it's people that, um, you know, it doesn't, they have access to all sorts of things. So maybe they'll go and collect on behalf of other people and then you can go and collect from them. Same with the Felix Project. Felix Project um, rescue good food before it ends up in the bin and they distribute it to food banks, community centers. Um, and I know, I, I love all social media equally, but I feel like Facebook is a really great way. Your local Facebook group probably will give you some really good advice. Um, also on my street, uh, I don't have an allotment, but we live in East London where there is a lot of allotments and I know allotments are hard to come by. Um, there's notice boards and Facebook groups saying we've got this if anyone wants to come and pick them up. So I think that is a really, really great way to do it as well. But I think online, if you could check out Farms to Feed Us, um, which is a website and an Instagram page uh check them out because they've got it's so big i mean i'm, I'm hoping uh that wherever you are they'll be able to help you that's brilliant brilliant melissa um someone's asking a similar ish kind of question saying i find a shop at a supermarket to be cheaper how do i start buying from more butchers slash green grocers without increasing my spend um and i you know i feel very much that it's about knowing probably what you want to buy having some idea about what it wants because sometimes you can get to um uh, an independent producer or a market and get slightly overwhelmed or carried away and before you know it you've kind of you know, got all this stuff and you, and you think actually it wasn't quite what i came in for and sometimes that can be very exciting and work out really well and sometimes not so much so i feel that it's about being organized about what you want and also being quite open-minded and i think it i um, you know really want to know what you think but i think that if you it comes back to that food skills thing that if you know more about how to get the most out of a chicken yeah that that chicken is it is going to be more expensive than supermarket chicken it's also going to be bred in a much more respectful way for the animal and for the land and the environment and so much else but you're also going to get so much more out of it not just in terms of the meat but everything else you can do with it going back to your stocks and things mm. i think well tell, what do you think Lisa? i think that's a really good point and i think until you've had that one uh until you've, um, as you said, lots of us on here might have 
had had a chicken and then made it last a week and know that feeling of satisfaction and know how actually that does work until it happens for the first time it can seem like a really annoying thing for people to say you know just stretch it out four times you know and I and I and if anyone has an idea of you know Angela let's let's do it this week let's both you know get a chicken I mean I had my yeah my lovely chicken of the month last week but you know let's show how to do it and I think that's one of the things I feel a responsibility to do is show how to stretch food I love what you said about having a an idea um, of what you want to cook for that week and then also being open-minded because I think it's important to leave like a moment to have a bit of magic connection because quite often in my experience the butcher the seller the grower will be the best resource you can ever hope for for telling you how to stretch your food further because they want you to get the most out of your food so when I go to the butcher I say you know what have you, what have you got you know lamb neck tends not to get bought that much lamb neck for a lovely irish stew for example or maybe um you're making kebabs and you'd always go for a uh, you know or, or lamb chops but maybe you could get lamb neck and they could show tell you exactly how long to cook it so you, you don't feel like oh i don't want to do it in case i mess it up i'm much more comfortable with this cut um you know all, all of those things the butcher is your friend the the grower is your friend um but i again though isn't it see that things in season are going to be that cheap, that bit cheaper than things aren't in season yeah. I think that's a big part of it and i think not just being open-minded when you shop be open-minded to recipes so you know as an example my my recipes which are there's loads free on the website there's loads free on my instagram but you can um the whole thing is be open-minded and be flexible so if if it calls for that ingredient and you're looking at it you're like oh that's pretty pricey um swap it for another ingredient and when you do get that ingredient whether it's meat or it's a veg we're talking about use up all of it cauliflower i did so much research on cauliflower a cauliflower is on average about one kilo to 1.2 kilos when you strip the cauliflower leaves and the stalk you're losing about 50 percent of the weight so you're throwing that away so and i've seen so many recipe books and watch tv where people are doing that and i probably did a bit of that too and now i know absolutely not those cauliflower leaves are lovely roasted or chopped into a stir fry that stalk is gorgeous grated into a fritter really really looking at it and actually i save so much money and then i say to myself i'll use that money to buy better quality meat uh, to buy that better ingredient got a couple of questions yes so before we because we're gonna um so many questions right uh how do you use flowers in meals melissa how do i use flowers so the questions the question said i use nasturtium marigold and others in my garden to help with pest control and always feel a bit guilty about not using them for food i'm so sorry i missed it, something about marigolds and uh, nasturtium oh, marigolds flowers sorry oh, flowers sorry yes like flowers how do you use flowers in your meals Oh, do you know what? I'm, 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 I'm sad to say, I did think 2020 was going to be the year that I was going to have a really, really lovely thriving garden. I've only been living um, in this house for three years and it was a concrete jungle and we, we've been restored, you know, it was a bit of a fallen down home. So we've been, we've left the garden till last and we focused on herbs. We focused on things that were, we thought we could but, uh, grow easily without messing up and things that often came in plastic packaging so we focus lots on herbs so I haven't used edible flowers that much however what I have had is just just was admiring them just now my sage flowers is anyone growing sage how beautiful are the purple flowers oregano uh, those bright lilac chai flowers I've been adding wild garlic our friend who talked about wild garlic those beautiful wild garlic flowers um but yeah any edible flowers to be honest I just throw what anything that's edible I don't really think too much about it I just throw it on be it salads um frittatas 
anything to give things a bit of lift. I love using herbs and um, I love using herbs in, in um, like iced teas, like infusions. So I tend to make like a big jug of uh, a herbal tea, whether it be an old tea, this is a great way to use it. If, if, if you've gone through your cupboards and gone, why did I ever buy that herbal tea blend? Because maybe my mother-in-law was coming around and you're like, what can I do with it now? I brew things up or herbs from the garden or the windowsill um, and I brew it up and then I uh, ice it and I maybe add a squeeze of honey. So like rosemary and ginger and honey and a bit of apple in there is really lovely. And sometimes I then add gin or vodka <laughs> and turn it uh, yeah, exactly exactly yeah. That's what i do a lot of flowers also what i do a lot with um flowers is make them into flavored butters oh delicious they like rose petals so obviously you've got to make sure everything's pesticide free and all that but you know, chop them up put them in the butter and then you freeze it and then you can use that rose butter to make shortbreads or anything really you know i use flowers a lot you know what you've just got my saliva going for um <laughs> There's an amazing chef called Selin and I had her salted date butter before she had, she's got two restaurants I think now, before she uh, had her restaurant she did a pop-up and she made salted date butter where she chopped or blended very chunkily dates within butter and mm -hmm. added salt and I think rose, your rose petal idea in that would be sensational. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's lovely um right quick we've got we're one minute into two so a couple couple more questions you'll you'll be very good at this it's a bit quick do you have any simple tips for making kimchi oh yeah well i think my 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 um number one tip would be put anything in it um i i could probably uh, take a picture of my kimchi recipe and put it up afterwards i'm sure if we search kimchi a million recipes will come up i think having a little bit of patience to let it do the work i mean you could eat it straight away but you want to let it ferment so i think number one tip is make sure you've got a sterilized jar i think if you're sensitive to chilies wear gloves that you can you know wash and reuse um and i think taste as you go along because we all chilies are all at different uh strengths and we all have different ones so just taste as you go along and then keep it um you know i think it's hotting up this week so keep it somewhere cool and out of the light as well but yeah uh, newton um newton and pot um kylie newton she'll have some amazing tips too she's the queen of preserves and jams and kimchi she is and she's a total sweetheart as well to my shame i've never made kimchi oh one one for you to do angela i'll do the rose petal if you do <laughs> Um, do we have any more questions? Wanna... Thank you everybody for these questions. I know there's loads of questions. I'm just trying to um, uh, 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 quickly read through. Um, <laughs> meal planning for one. Let's do this quickly because I um, think this is important. Meal planning for one. Meal planning for one. Okay, I would say similar vibes to meal planning for a group is, um, and, it, and it depends, like I, I'll look at the weather, I'll be like, okay, so what's the weather doing this week? What comforts? How's my mood? You know, like, what, what, you know, I, I've been really tapping into my moods during quarantine. I know at which point of the month I'm going to feel very weepy and which, you know, we all want different things. So I really think about mood based on comfort, which then leads me to what I eat. So have a think about the week, plan what you really like. I don't know what your freezer space is like, but I would consider always, you know, just doing it as a, I'm sure you do this already, simple maths to work out what you want more of and what you want less of. Um, I like to um, batch cook a something like lentils, chickpeas, quinoa, rice you might like during the week and then saying to myself, this is what I'll do with it this week. So if it's a warm day, maybe I'll make like a warm and hearty salad. If it's a cold day, that can go into a minestrone um, or a noodle soup. Um, then it can go into a frittata, like I'll add leftover pest, a pasta and rice into a frittata. Um, 
and I'll do it that way. So I'll sort of have like a hero, a hero grain as it were, but I'm including legumes in that. A hero vegetable that maybe I'll roast up a tray of veg. And again, that can become roasted veg into a salad. By the end of the week, when you're a bit sick of it, you can blend it with some spices and turn it into a soup. Um, I could go on. I think that's absolutely brilliant. I love the idea of thinking in the week, what's my, what's my hero thing going to be? And sort of then revolving your meals around that for different flavours and different styles. I think that's absolutely brilliant. And make a hero sauce. So we talked about the wild garlic pesto or a salsa verde or a chimichurri. I'm all over chimichurri at the moment. Something delicious that can brighten up anything because I know uh, that you don't want to waste food and you also don't want to be bored. You want to look forward to your food. So yeah, having these great... And also, you know... This is the time, I think, to, if, you, if you're not going to make chili jams and preserve your, yourself, this is when markets your, are your best friend because they'll have their veg, which is quite often the surplus veg, turned into a chili or pickle, and that, on top of anything, will make all your leftovers exciting. And then I think the, the key is then, isn't it, that taking all of this um, interest in sustainability, in not wasting things, and really thinking about where you get your food from, and carrying it on. You know, if you have become more, we've had so many people watching this today, and so all these people who are so interested in where their food comes from to then just carry that through. And, and, and then we have the real chance of having a better food system. That's it. Absolutely. In it together. And yeah. hopefully, you know, I hope you don't, you'll, you'll be doing loads more of these viral talks because they're really, really brilliant. And there's so much to watch at the moment. But, you know, I learned from this. I, I can't wait to look through your questions. And please share if you've got any food suppliers you'd like to shout out. And if you've got any independent food suppliers, make sure you tell them to sign up to Farms to Feed Us and all of these people because, you know, it, all it needs is people recommending and we can all help each other out and get the food away from, you know, bins and rotting in fields and to people's, you know, bellies, not bins is what one of the slogans is. Exactly. And it's been brilliant to start this series off with you, Melissa. Next week, we are doing a session where checking with um, food writers and cooks in different places around the world. So we've got you know, Yasmin Farr, who's in New York, Rachel Roddy, who is in Rome, we have regular, who's in Antwerp, and it's going to be really, and obviously I'm in London, it'll be very interesting to kind of see what the food experiences are in different places around the world, I think. So yeah, it's an interesting, it's going to be a good series, I think, but no, no better way to start it than with you and also thinking about all these issues which are so, so, so relevant. So Melissa, massive thanks massive. for giving us your time and your insight. Oh, thank you and thank you everybody. I love your comments. Keep them all coming and great on the poll. <laughs> I'll, always think, I'll always think of you all when I eat a sweet potato now. <laughs> and radishes and feel slightly sad for the radishes. <laughs> We need to do more. And, say, and to everybody, thank you for listening to Borough Talks. We really hope you enjoyed it. Join us next time for the chapter in our inspiring food culture series.